The Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight the paths of the Lord. So John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And the whole Judean region and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but the one who is coming will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Grace and peace to you from our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. This year, we hosted 24 people at our house for Thanksgiving, which was a record for us. Our group consisted of us and two families with whom we celebrate Thanksgiving almost every year, and two new families. So altogether, 12 adults and 12 young adults and teens. Extra tables and chairs from the church were most definitely needed, and you can be sure that the food was copious and delicious. The highlight of the day for me were the stories and the laughter that accompanied our meal. We squeezed in around the table in our dining room with some people that had known each other for years and some who were just meeting for the first time. And we told story upon story upon story. The stories, I think, are cumulative. One sparks another. They weave and diverge and come back around. They connect us and bind us together, strengthening old connections and making new ones. At one point, one person had excused themselves to the couch, and then we called him back to the table to regale us with even more stories. It was a day that was good for the soul. I love how one story leads to another and another, how we share of ourselves and learn about others through stories. Stories never happen in a vacuum. They always build on each other. And so it is with the Advent and Christmas stories. Our Gospel reading from Mark today is only eight verses long, but it is filled with accumulated stories that have all led to this moment. Mark always likes to get right to the point. It's the shortest Gospel, but every part is packed full of meaning. In these eight verses, Mark draws on the entire Hebrew tradition, reflects on the reality of living in a Greco-Roman world, and points to this new thing that God is doing. Just take that first line, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ. Good news here comes from the Greek, euangelion, which was a secular term at that time. It was good news, but usually of a political sort. The good news of the emperor's birthday, for example, which often came with tax relief or gifts for the poor. And the title Son of God is known from Greek and Roman texts, Hercules and Perseus and Theseus, as well as Alexander the Great and Augustus Caesar and lots of other figures 
that we're technically sons of one God or another. So from the outset, we are to understand that Jesus was a different kind of son of God with a very different kind of good news. John the Baptist quotes Isaiah, which is actually a mashup of Isaiah, Exodus, and Malachi. He says, prepare the way, evoking Isaiah's image of a road leading out of exile back home to the promised land. And yet John heralds another way. According to the book of Acts, the early followers of Jesus were not called Christians. They were known as followers of the way. So while Isaiah spoke about building a highway across the desert, Mark repurposes that. And he talks about a way being constructed that is the way Jesus' disciples will follow. John's strange appearance in the wilderness evokes the exodus and the Israelites wandering in the desert. With his camel's hair and leather belt, he's dressed like the prophet Isaiah. And like so many prophets, he calls the people to repentance. All of this is happening in just these first eight verses. There's a challenge to Roman authority and a reimagining of the good news. There's an evocation of the exodus and the exile, the two most important events in the Hebrew scriptures. It taps deeply into the prophetic tradition with Elijah, Isaiah, and others. And all of this is coming together and setting the stage for the birth of Jesus who will inherit and transform all these traditions and stories and meanings into something new. The other gospel writers do the same thing at the beginning of their gospels, but just in different ways. Matthew begins his gospel with a genealogy. He recounts the 42 generations from Abraham to Jesus. He lists them all out, showing how everything points to the birth of Christ. John starts his gospel going all the way back to the beginning of creation, saying, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And Luke prefaces the Christmas story with the annunciations to Elizabeth and Mary, which themselves echo stories from the Hebrew Scriptures. The point is that the birth of Jesus and Advent and Christmas do not happen in a vacuum. They are deeply connected to everything that has come before them, and they will transform the story of God and God's people and everything that comes after. When we miss that, we lose so much of the richness and depth and power and subversive nature of the Christmas story. Everything is connected. Everything has been leading to this moment. And everything will change from this moment on. The story is cumulative. As it says in O Little Town of Bethlehem, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. I recently read a new book about Advent called The First Advent in Palestine, Reversals, Resistance, and the Ongoing Complexity of Hope by Kelly Nikundea. It's a timely book that explores Advent through the lens of life in Israel and Palestine in both ancient and our contemporary times. And she reminds us that the first Advent recorded in history and held in our collective Christian memory is not a singular event. Advent is continually embodied, incessantly incarnated. Advent reaches across the generations, always pushing us to embody God's peace in today's troubled times. Generations brought us to the first Advent in Bethlehem, and generations will keep Advent and seek Advent's promise of peace in seasons to come.
The story that we celebrate is generations in the making and generations in the telling and retelling. The story of faith is cumulative and ongoing, like those conversations around our Thanksgiving table. They build and they build and they build. And this is the nature of scripture and faith and the church. It is so poignant, then, that we welcome 17 new members and celebrate two baptisms this morning on this second Sunday of Advent. We are reminded that the story keeps building and expanding and deepening. The story grows with new voices, new experiences, and new perspectives as we create community and gather in hope and journey together. And so the story grows from the first Advent to this Advent to future Advents. And likewise, Madison and Merrill's baptisms today have been prepared from the very beginning, from the crashing of the waves at creation to Jesus' baptism and every baptism since. They join the story of how God has brought salvation through water from the very beginning of time. More people at the table, more stories to tell, new connections to be discovered, and new stories to write together. Today is a day to celebrate a day of love and joy and hope. And I think this fits with Nikandea with, with, uh, fits what Nikandea describes as an Advent faith. She writes in that same book, An Advent faith is one that is buoyed by a generational hope, a long view of history combined with an equally long view of the future. So we join God with generational patience, knowing that making peace takes hard work and much time. But the Advent narrative set our trajectories toward God's peace manifest on earth, both now and not yet. She says this is the story of Advent. We join Jesus as incarnations of God's peace on this earth for however long it takes. God walks in deep solidarity with humanity, sharing in our sufferings and moments of hope. Amid our hardship, God is with us. Emmanuel remains the name on our lips in troubled times. Advent is not just a season, but a way of being together in the world, in which we pray and we work for peace, in which we see the holy in everyday things, when we live expectantly and we forgive, where we trust that God is with us in all things, and we embody God's love as we serve our neighbors. This is the way of Jesus. This is the way that John prepares and Advent is only the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen.